Uh, welcome to Into the Hobbyverse, a podcast dedicated to Marvel Crisis Protocol and the aspects of the hobby surrounding it. Our focus here is to discuss our experiences with the game and to help give advice to you, the listener, to hopefully improve to where you want to be on your painting journey. Uh, I am Waxy Sandwich, and I am joined by Moriartis. How is it going, buddy? Not too bad, man. How are you doing? Uh, doing okay. Uh, survived the uh, the smog. I don't know if you had heard about this. Uh, the, the smoke from Canada wildfires was blowing down into the eastern U.S. and uh, survived that, but it's been cloudy and hazy outside. Oof. Yeah, I'd heard about that on the news. I didn't realize that was uh, that was in your neck of the woods, though. That sounds not fun. Yeah, it's surprising. So I'm I'm in Maryland, which is a couple states down. So uh, it, surprising it made it down that far, but uh, yeah, pretty rough. Hope hopefully, um, any of our listeners, if you live in Canada, hopefully you're safe. Uh, so yeah, but didn't die. That that's good. Stayed inside and. I'd like to say I got some painting done, but I actually I actually haven't hobbied that much. Um, I mean, relative to how much I normally hobby, I have done a decent amount of hobbying. But uh, Diablo Four came out, Ooh. and I'm a big Diablo fan, so I've been playing that. Gotcha. Yeah, I I was a big Diablo fan, but I think three kind of exhausted mm-hmm. me on it. I've I've heard this is a little bit of a return to form, though. But I don't know. I I'm also at that point in life where it's like I. I Every time I play a video game, there's a part of me that's like, I could have spent that time painting, <laughs> and I'm <laughs> I'm getting yeah. more uh, I'm getting less patient with spending my time doing like video games when I could paint. So uh, yeah, I, I I usually I don't indulge all that often, uh, but uh, been been fun. Then my brother's into it, so oh but, cool, yeah, I, yeah. I mean. That. If my wife were into it, I, that's probably all I would do because, uh, like, my wife is big into video games, and so she's constantly trying to drag me away to get lost in some new game or whatever. So, so I know how it goes. When you, especially if you have somebody to game with, then go to town and enjoy it. You know. Yeah, but I did. I did get some hobbying done. I, I'm I'm actually on a a record streak. So I don't know if you keep track of this, but I keep track of the number of days I managed to paint for at least thirty minutes in a row, or do some type of hobbying for thirty minutes in a row. Mm. I'm on a a record streak, so I have managed to get some um, hobbying done. Unfortunately, I am I am sworn to secrecy about it, as per the rules of this uh, gallery with no name mm. painting competition. But I, I still think I could talk about it unless I'm told otherwise. Um, so I've been I've been painting my Immortal Hulk. Uh, I am where I sit now. I'm I'm actually mostly done. Um, I, I only have the like the legs done, the lower half of the legs done, uh, and then I, I suppose also the base. Uh, so he's he's coming along. Um, that's what I've painted. I have also, you know. I count this as hobbying. I purchased the core box of Shatterpoint and uh, I don't know, the Count Dooku box. It's got some doofy name, but uh, I got the Count Dooku box as well for that. Ah, diving in. Uh, let me know uh, how my big concern with that, and I've tried to get some feedback from I think the Reddit community on this because my big concern is the the lightsabers, and I think I brought this up mm. before that I'm worried about them being very fragile and snapping off and it being one of those things where 
uh, it's a norm where when you go to game with people, everyone has snapped off lightsabers. <laughs> That's kind of my fear. Uh, so let me know if when you go to build those and mess with them, like, is it as fragile as I'm fearing? Am, is it just in my head and it's actually fine? <clears throat> Be sure to let me know. Yeah, well, I, I could put one together. I'm sitting here with... Uh, I haven't assembled them. I'm currently assembling one of them. Uh, I can let you know <laughs> by the end of the podcast here. I can do okay, Anakin cool. or something. Yeah, I'm interested to hear. <laughs> Interesting, though, like... I, you, so you brought up this going on a streak of uh, painting for at least 30 minutes a day, and it made me realize, like, there's kind of, I, I guess, different strategies for how you go about motivating yourself to paint or making sure that you're going to get stuff painted because... I, I'm not a, oh, I need to paint every day. I may like, okay, I want, you know, I want to have this model done by the week. And so I just make sure that, and it, usually what ends up happening is I might get an evening where I just go to town and spend three or four hours on the model. And then I do whatever work needs to be done with it over the course of the weekend, which depending on the model might take up the whole weekend or it might just be a few hours or whatever. But I... I like the idea of devoting some time every day to doing it is is weirdly enough not something that's ever even occurred to me and I'm just now realizing that and that it's it's interesting to hear that that's like an actual explicit strategy that you have yeah i i think um a bit of it is like that is a common way to improve uh like at anything really right like the pop psychology would say mm -hmm. that you're you're better off doing something for 30 minutes a day than you are doing it for you know five hours once a week um not not saying that's what you're doing and, and i don't know if i think that this is like applies strictly to painting as cleanly as something like you know studying for a test or whatever sure yeah, um, yeah. because you know part of what what's helped me get better at painting is is kind of uh like really delving into it you know and, and that takes some time to get into that space beyond like 30 minutes um, so I, I do normally kind of do more than that but it, it's really not about the time it's more just like making a space for me to paint during the week sure where yeah. i where i set the 30 minute goal yeah, well, it's it's kind of like a systems versus goals, right? Like having a goal is fine, but unless you have a system of how you're going to get to that goal, then the goal can be kind of nebulous and, and difficult to achieve. And so setting yourself a system where you're like, oh, I'm going to you know make sure I get at least half an hour in every day, um, that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I think maybe I should try to implement something like that. I might get a lot more done. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, that's or, pretty cool. Or... Yeah. So th that that that's uh what I've done. I could talk about the Hulk a little bit, but um I know it's kind of lame to talk about something people can't can't look at. Yeah. I suppose I'm I'm I've like we talked a lot about it a little bit earlier. I'm I'm really focusing obviously on the skin tone and making sure that looks right. Um I've I've got an interesting like lime green recipe I've kind of fallen into that I think is giving me a very powerful green. Um so I'm liking how that looks uh and um i talked about the face last time i think but i like how the face is looking yeah any any uh insights about the, the recipe uh yeah so it's um it's like a neutral green i'm mixing in uh the scale 75 ink intensity lime um and then for like the 
mid-tone highlight area. Um, it's uh, scale 75 pistachio, which if you look at it in the bottle, it, it looks like this really ugly yellow green. But if you mix it with this intensity lime color from scale 75, um, it, it looks like a really, really nice uh, yellow green, and it's got a lot of high value to it. So I'm, I'm, I'm quite liking that mix. Like it, huh. it, it is surprising in the uh, bottle that it looks like that, so, or that it comes out looking like that. I should say. To be clear, there you said intensity lime. Yes. Okay. I originally had misheard you as line, and so I thought you were referring to the line of intensity, and I was like, "Well, you got to mention which one." Oh. <laughs> so oh, yeah. The, okay. the the L I M E one. The, gotcha. the lime gotcha. green one. Yeah. And then you said you mix that with uh, the other one was pistachio. You said. Yeah, it's it's scale seventy five, or sorry, not scale seventy five. It is A K interactive. A K interactive. Okay. Yeah. Let me. Pistachio. So if you look at this color, drop it in the uh, episode gallery. Ooh, that's a bad link. But uh, so it, it kind of looks like this puke putrid green. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know you wouldn't expect that to if you know you're able to look at my model, so you wouldn't expect it to give you that you know nice light green that I'm getting out of it. But um, it works pretty well. Most of that's like the lime kind of shifting the the tone back over. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah, I could see because uh, yellow especially works as a uh, it pairs well with green, especially when you're trying to kind of increase the intensity of green. And so it makes sense that um, having a color that has like a an intense yellow influence helps out with that. Because the on top of that, I'm doing um, like a lot of umber colors in the. Uh... And like the hands, knuckles, and vein type area to give it a little bit more interest there. So it's it's got some like where there'd be more blood flow, like around the shoulders and then the face. There's I I have some like umber recipe I'm kind of I've kind of fiddled around with and gone to a place I like. So trying a couple of things. We'll see. Eventually I gotta take good pictures of it uh mm -hmm. and send it along, but I'm excited to see the end results, and more importantly, I'm excited to completely trounce you in the competition. Yeah, I, I, I really don't have a chance, honestly. Um. <laughs> oh, come on now. Come on now. I, I will say um, I have started on what I'm planning to enter, um, but I'm going to keep it all secret squirrel ops about it, at least until uh. I have more to show right now. Because mm. um, I'm I'm in the very right. beginning stages, so it's going to take some time. See, I I don't think I should have shared this with you because now now you know you know <laughs> you have a benchmark, right? So now yes, you got to go over the top. Yes, indeed. maybe maybe this is all a smokescreen, and I'm just going to come Ooh, out with a another, rope -dope. another model, a rope -dope. Yeah. Okay, yeah, maybe fair enough. Like, oh yeah, this is my little Hulk I'm doing, and then come out with like. <laughs> I don't know, nine more sentinels or whatever. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll see. I mean, power to you. I'm capable, I'm capable of anything. I'm a loose cannon. That's true. That's true. Well, we'll see how that goes. I'm excited to see the the end result, though. I think um, just with the, the, you know, I saw a very very early on pick of just the face, and I was pretty impressed with that. So I'm I'm excited to see him when he's done. It's an impressive model, and it's actually one I debated doing for the competition too. Um, and in fact. That might be the one that I'm doing, but but you won't know. Uh, you won't know until I release it. I'm gonna be secret squirrel yeah. about it. 
Uh, well, I imagine you and I will be like Immortal Hulk number 15 and 25 or something. I, I imagine it's going to be a very I could see common that. one. Uh, if, if people are listening and somehow don't know what we're talking about, there's um another podcast that's more gaming-focused. The um, Fury's oh Finest. Fury's Finest, there it is. That that do uh you know a quarterly painting competition uh, that uh, Moriarty's is well well endowed with medals from, uh, and he chose the theme heavy hitter. So yeah, the theme for it's heavy uh, hitters. Anything that hits really hard. I, I wanted it to be more open ended. That way, a lot of people had a reason to kind of paint up something they were excited for, and and you'd get kind of more diversity of entries. But but you're right with Immortal Hulk being a newer release, and I'm sure a lot of people were excited to get him. Um, I am expecting there to be a lot of entries based on that model. Um, and who knows? Maybe maybe that won't be the case, but I suspect it will be. Well, we can have a we can have a side bet to see which of our two models gets more votes, and then Ooh, and that'll be the, the real the real championship. Fair, fair. I like it. See, speaking of uh, Secret Squirrel, though, um, on my hobby end of things. Yeah. That is professional podcast. Yes, it is. Right you like that transition? It's good stuff. Yeah, that was good. On, on my end, uh, I've been getting some painting done. Um, I painted who I've effectively nicknamed New Doc, which is, you know, Modoc 2, the, the Scientist Supreme, uh, and Squirrel Girl. Those are the two that I knocked out. Um, and I think, I don't know if we talked too much about Modoc last time. I did start in on him. I was partway through him when we were recording last episode, um, and I finished him up. Uh, and then Squirrel Girl. Uh, with Squirrel Girl, I she taught me that I don't know how to glaze. I, I thought oh I knew gosh. how to glaze, but I don't, because I went through and... You have to expand yes, on that. Yes, so what happened with her was she has, like, the leggings, right? Or, and, and I don't know, maybe that's not the right term for it. I'm not a fashionista, so maybe maybe it's stockings or, or whatever. I In my head, they're called leggings, but maybe they're something else. But at any rate, they have this, like, bluish-gray feel, but then they you can tell in, like, the areas where it's more stretched, like in the mid part of the thigh, um, you can see, like, the flesh underneath, right? And I, in my head, was like, oh, I know how I'm going to do that. I'm just going to paint it like it's flesh, and then I'm going to glaze the the bluish gray over it to turn to get that effect. That's what I'm going to try to do. And what I ended up doing, because I don't have the patience to thin my layers enough to actually glaze, is I basically just <laughs> painted it twice. I, I painted it flesh, and then when I was glazing, I just kind of rebase coated it with uh, anthracite gray, which is scale color. It's like a bluish gray color. And and then I was like, well, okay, that didn't work. And I was like, all right, let me let me just mix in flesh tones to the anthracite and then relayer it to get the kind of effect. Now, in fairness to me, I like how it came out. I feel like I kind of captured the legging feel. Like when you look at her, her front left, when you're looking from her front, like her left thigh, I feel like you can see the flesh influence there. And I intentionally kind of went back and forth on the brush strokes to give it kind of a, uh, kind of a back and forth stretchy texture. Uh, and then on the back, same thing, except it's on her other thigh, um, like the back of her leg on her right leg. Uh, so I, I like how it came out. I feel like it worked, but it's kind of funny to me that I went into it with this intention to 
to glaze it, and I just ended up rebase coating it, and it made me realize I I just don't know how to glaze. And so I, I actually went and watched a Vince Venturella video after uh, on glazing. He did he does some you know, and his videos are amazing. If you guys aren't familiar, check him out on YouTube. He he is phenomenal. It's called hobby cheating. He does a series of videos. They're awesome. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've probably heard of them. But in case you haven't, go check it out. Uh, and he did uh, a full, full breakdown of glazing, and he goes into all of it. And that I really wish I had watched that before I tried doing this, because it might have worked. I might have been able to pull this off with glazing, but I ended up not. And so that was the big lesson I learned from her. And then the other one I've learned with her was uh, her face is annoying to paint because the, they've sculpted the model to where she's doing this kind of side-eye thing she's like looking kind of because she's got this like smirk she's doing her like smirking and and doing her arm flex and the little squirrel on her arm is doing the same and her, her eyes are kind of looking off to the squirrel and tippy toe you gotta put some respect on the name oh and sorry i'm not familiar enough with your character it's on man all right we talked all right i gotta flame you for this we talked about this before it it's <laughs> on the back of the box it's not like a big secret i didn't do a a ton of research hey. for it it's 2023, it's, man. In fact, read, it's it's on the it's that. on the card. It's it's tippy toe <laughs> beatdown. Uh, who reads? Who reads? I don't read. So yeah, Apparently, yeah. You know what's funny too? I say that, but I love Jeff. Jeff the Lane. Yeah. Okay. So you're so, gonna. Yeah, I'm I'm just That's a hypocrite. Why. That's all there is to it. But well, I won't let it go. But it's tippy toe. Is the name? Fair of enough. Well, squirrel. so she's she's side eyeing tippy toe, right? And they've sculpted the eyes to where she has, like, eyelids and, you know, if you want to paint it to, to kind of max match the box art, you would need to put the work into the little spots of her eyes under the eyelids. And as I was trying to get that to work, I, it was just not working. I was, I was very frustrated with it. And it, it's I, – I don't want to blame the sculpt on this because I think – a better painter could have accomplished it, but I really struggled with it. And so I eventually just like, I was like, you know what, especially after the, the Modoc paint job, I was exhausted with it. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not putting a ton of work into this model. I wanted this to be a more straightforward paint job. And so I just kind of used flesh to create the general feeling of eyes. And so she looks like she might be closing her eyes. It's not the best paint job, but I'm fine with it. I just decided to let it go. So that's what I learned with Squirrel Girl. And then with Modoc, he was a whole experience. Well, yeah, let me, I, I, I want to I jump in okay. here because I, I got a couple things to say. One, I mean, kudos for um, like that recognition. I know we've talked about it before, but it, it doesn't matter what your like overall goal is as, as a painter. It's, it's okay to have paint jobs that are kind of like... Um, you know, more relaxing type paint jobs where, where you are making that decision to just not deal with certain aspects of right. the model. Um, so kudos for that um, on that. And on the uh, the flesh, like the the sheer fabric, that uh, that's something that I've, I want to try. And I, I didn't realize that, I'm looking at the box art now, I didn't realize that that was meant to be like sheen type I fabric. I think it is. But it's this whole... It, it, oh, uh, you know, based off my little view of the box art here, I, I, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, but yeah, I, I'm gonna have to consider giving that a try because there's, there's a lot of materials for 
very sheer fabric, like like a lot of the um not the Iodineth geek who who are like the the dorky mountain elves from Age of Sigmar. Elves. Oh they're like made out of light. Oh, oh, oh Lumineth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're called Lumineth. Yeah. So so there's like a lot of there's a you know a model that people really like from that that has the cloth over the face. So there's a there's a lot of resources for like very thin cloth. But something like this, I, I think it's pretty tough. Like it's it's a thicker fabric, at least it looks thicker to me. Um and it, it you know, isn't a white cloth. It's a you know, at least according to this box art, is is a blue, like thin fabric. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's tricky. I'm not I'm not quite sure I would do. Probably similar to you with uh, I think the texturing is is like the right way to approach mm-hmm. that. Like texturing on the flesh tone and then potentially glazing it over, but I, I Part part of what you probably ran into is you know maybe your glazes were a little thick, but I also think glazing blue over flesh tone is not going to quite give you the yeah. look that you yeah, think and it's. Going you're to you're do. probably right with that. Um, like I said, this taught me that I didn't know how to glaze, and I, in retrospect, I don't know that glazing is the appropriate way to do this. I mean, you you probably still could, but at the same time. Um, you bring up a valid point about like the texture, right? Like if you're trying to create that texture, um, that's not really what glazing is for. Uh, yeah. Now, granted, you can do the texturing outside of the glazing, so you can texture it and then glaze over that. Um, but glazing itself isn't going to give you the texture you want. And so maybe this is a little serendipitous where I went into it with the mindset of, oh, I'm going to glaze it, and then I ended up having to you know, do some ad hoc stuff at the end to, to get there. And maybe that's what helped it because I wouldn't have had that texture in otherwise. So, so maybe it was a good thing that it went, it kind of worked out that way. Um, but yeah, you're, you're probably right that I, I don't know that glazing was the appropriate way to approach that. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to sure. give my thoughts on that. And this thought's kind of boiled down to, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, good on you for the effort. That's something yeah, yeah. insight. But speaking of insight, like Modoc, oh my goodness, right, so uh, he was a project. So I, 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 so interestingly enough, um, originally I was planning on doing him in True Metallics, but uh, one of the things I discovered with my Adepticon entry is that uh, I don't do a good enough job playing around in the midtones when I do like a non-metallic metal. Now, granted, if I'm doing like a colored non-metallic metal, I that's a different story. But if you're trying to make it look like, you know, steel or gold or whatever, I have this habit of I spend too much time in the darker shades. And especially with the steel, I've noticed it doesn't read as steel. It, to me, it and I think you can see this most cleanly on my Sentinels. When you look at all the little steely bits, they, they're just too dark. They don't, they don't really read as steel to me. And so I intentionally, I, what I did, what I, th- I thought it was kind of funny, because this, is a, this was a hard-learned lesson that I learned on MODOK. I made the assumption that because I'm doing that on my steels, I must also be doing it on my golds. And so I started painting MODOK, and I did him kind of in a sub-assembly, because he's got like his hand that's holding the little steering thing. And I knew it was going to be really hard to paint around that, so I left the hand off. And so I started by painting his face and then painting like the areas around where that hand is so that I could glue it in place and not have to try to paint around it. So I started on the front side of him, and my goal was 
well, I need to play more in these mid-tones. So I spent much more time in the yellow area. Um, but then as I started working around the model and doing all of the gold, I was realizing that I, I kind of don't like the gold when it's more in the yellows. Like, it doesn't feel gold to me. And especially if you look at the back of the MODOK, that's where I kind of let myself go back to my old habit of staying in the more kind of sienna area uh, of the the, the kind of brownish yellow areas of the gold and the back to me especially his little you know the curved little egg shape uh of of the back of him that to me reads as gold like it, it actually feels like that's made of gold but then the front side of him where he's got you know where his legs come out of the, the area right underneath his face that to me doesn't feel gold. Like it, it feels like it's a yellow metallic, right? Like it's, it's, or a polished yellow. And so I tried to correct it a bit by going back in and doing some sienna glazes, and that helped a little. It's not as bad as it was. But it, it taught me that just because you have an insight about painting something a certain way, whatever lesson you learn from that might not apply in insta other instances where you would assume it does. And I think the lesson I learned here is that gold and steel, are, just because they're both a non-metallic metal, does not mean that you want to paint them the same. Like, you, you don't just take the same color or different color palettes and apply the same techniques to those color palettes to get a steel and to get a gold. With the gold... Staying more in the Sienna area actually gives you like a more kind of burnished gold look. Like it, it to at least to me, and this this is all just my subjective experience. So uh, I, I might be blowing smoke right now. This, but this is how it felt from my perspective. Was that it felt more like gold when I stayed in, a little bit more in the shadows, whereas the steel, I, I think the insight is is true. It feels more steel when I'm spending more time in the lighter grays and not as much time in the darker shadows. And so that that was one of the big lessons I kind of learned working on MODOK, and because of that, I feel a bit mixed about the paint job, whereas the front part of him, I don't think, it, especially the yellow, the yellow-gold area, just doesn't read as nicely as the back side of him does. Uh, so that was a big lesson, and then... I feel a little bit mixed about the, the steel that I did. I tried to use his the, like the little cables on his mechanical arms. I tried to play more in the gray areas there. And I, I'm not positive that I really captured a steel look there. Um, so I, I think there... I, I tried to do spend a lot of time doing secondary reflections um, to try and help. Uh, but I, I don't know that that really reads all that well either, to be honest with you. So... Um, I yeah, I think it does in a lot of places. There's a couple of areas where maybe it's a little bit off, but I, I think overall, yeah, it's it's good it enough. There. It I, like it, it um, you know, he, he was a lot of kind of experimenting, and and then I would say the other two, oh, I guess there's like three lessons. Man, I, I learned a lot on him now that I'm thinking about it. So he has big eyes where you can actually paint detail, right? And I looked up, like, canon depictions to see, like, does he have an eye color? And I actually could not find an example, and I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I couldn't find one, 
of an image of him having like normal eyes. Like they're always depicted as like either white or like glowing some color. And so I was like, huh. You gotta look at the Oh, look gotcha. Yeah, I, I couldn't I was trying to find well and to be fair, I was explicitly looking for comics. So that might be why I didn't find any. But Yeah. Uh, although you know at the HBO, I, I thought he yeah. had like an eye color. He so black I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm just gonna give him. And I think it's this blue. I think I went with the blue. Yeah, I decided to give him blue eyes. And uh, I, what I learned while doing his eyes is that if if you have a model where you are painting eyes, and th- the eyes are big enough to where you can put in things like irises and make it look like they're looking in a certain direction kind of thing. Uh, you have to be careful because you need to make sure that both the eyes are sending the same message to the, to, to the person observing the model. Because, like, at first what I did was um, I had... I'm used to seeing eyes and, like, the top part of the iris is, like, you can't see it because it's it's being covered by the eyelid. And then you can see underneath the bottom part of the iris. That's That, to me, is, like, the typical way you see eyes. But because of, like, the way he's posed and everything, when I did that, because he's got, like, his eye, uh, his right eye opened more, it made it look like he's looking up. And especially with how kind of elevated he is in his chair, that looked really weird. And so I was like, no, okay, that's not going to work. And so I had to lower the iris uh, to be kind of in the middle, closer to the bottom, to make it look like he's looking forward and maybe a little down. And then I had to make sure that the iris kind of matched that on his other eye. And that that whole experience was rather tricky. I had to go back and forth a bit on it for a while to make it to where it looked right. And it made me realize, man, I'm really glad the scale of models we're working on doesn't require me to do this all the time because it would be a complete nightmare to have to do this with, like, every model. Yeah, like fifty-four millimeter models. I mean, it's. It, uh, I think we talked about it last time, but like the larger the scale is, these types of details really do start to matter, and everything you said really gets amplified about having the same expression, looking the same way, um, being consistent. I think um, Marco for Sony and JM Marco. I don't actually know what his exact YouTube is. It's something like that. Uh, he has a, a video about eyes that I think is like really good and hits on a lot of uh, you know, how you think about eye expression, depicting eyes, and then that. But then the larger these scales are, the more you are able to accurately render or convey, maybe not render, accurately convey an emotion, and it becomes a lot more important. As yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was it was an interesting ex- learning experience. And and the other thing too is I took um, Miniac's advice. He was uh, talking about uh, using Thar Brown as a as a base coat for eyes, which was really weird to me because it's like a sand color. It's like a brown, and I don't think that when I think eyes, right? I think of white, and which reminds me that. You know uh, how colors read, and you know that they're, they're 
I, I constantly f- have to relearn the lesson when painting that like color, the way colors read and the way you, the colors you want to use are not necessarily intuitive, that you don't just want to default into that mindset of, well, an eye is white, so I'm painting it white. And so I'm really glad I found that little tidbit because I used Thar Brown for his eye. And then I had a friend who was like, you should do it bloodshot. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. So I mixed in some red with that. And I feel like that got like a nice bloodshot effect. Um, So I really like how that came out. And it was also a lot more pleasant painting Thar Brown than it was like a a, a white color or like a near white color. Like I think had I used something like white sands, I think the whole process of painting his eye would have been a nightmare. But because I was using Thar Brown, it, it just, it being a darker color, it had better coverage. Um, so painting his eye was, it, it was challenging, but it was fun. Um, that was kind of cool. Uh, so that was one of the big lessons I learned. Kind of at the opposite quadrant of Squirrel Girl's eye, which was challenging and not fun. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then the, the other one was uh, my, as I've mentioned many times, I have this bad habit with my purples where I default into like a lilac color uh, for my highlights. And I wanted to ex- explicitly break away from that. I wanted to have a kind of red influenced purple, a purple that feels more into the magenta range when you get into the highlights. And so uh, I. I had to spend a lot of time kind of going back and forth with uh, uh, glazes or my version of them, sloppy glazes, uh, to try and get a purple that looked like that. And I feel like I got there, but I'm always kind of blown away when I see people that have purples that just look like that, and that's kind of the purple they just default into, because I don't understand how they do it. I don't, I don't know how that's the purple. For me, it's always... I, I don't know. This this has got to be a mental thing on my end, I think, where just the lilac side of it is just what comes to my mind. And then I had to, like, explicitly try to get a magenta-esque purple. And so I, I don't know, because I've seen you do some purples where you don't seem to have this issue. So I'm I'm curious if you have any insights for me on that. Uh, just use a warm purple, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, just use a warm purple. And maybe maybe I'm having trouble understanding exactly how your mind is working on this problem because if I recall correctly from me talking about the sandals, like your purple approach is to take um, a purple and then mix in white. I, I think that that's a bit of it. Is when I'm working with purple, I don't mix in white. I'll mix in a um, Oh geez, uh, either ice yellow or like a skin tone into ice yellow type color, um, and that that really does make it look warmer. Um, but yeah, I mean, like pur- purple, you you can have a a blue violet or a red violet. So so I think whatever purple you're starting with, and you're probably starting with this blue violet. Um, yeah, because really for gonna, the sentinels, going to take you in that cold direction. Sorry, go ahead. Right. Yeah. So the sentinels are kind of a special case because. Um, I had it in my head that like, oh, I want them to feel artificial, and so I only want to use blue or black and white for my highlights. Yeah, but your but your normal recipe shades. isn't too different from that, right? Correct. Yeah, like I use violet, and then I'm usually uh, I'm usually using neutrals to to kind of get my highlights out of it. And of course, that's going to go into a lilac. But but then when it's like, okay, well, how do I get 
I, I guess the problem was I didn't know what colors I should be using to mix into my purples to get other stuff. And so with this one, I was uh, I was using scale color artist paints, and so I was using red stuff. I was using like um, their they have a purple base, which is a bit more of a wine color. Uh, and then I was using like magenta and primary red uh, as my kind of layers to mix into that. But even then, I found that to get any depth out of it, I had to like add in some whites and then glaze it back down, uh, which in fairness is something you run into a lot with red, right? Like when you're doing red, you often have to uh, go up really bright with a, a highlight that feels like you went way too far with it and then glaze it back down by going over some red. That way you, you still get the effect of the highlight, but it still feels red. That's a, a common trick people use to get like a, a good detail out of red. I felt like I had to do that here with this purples. And that's a, you know, that's that's something that you kind of get into when you start getting into more advanced layering, right? And so I when I see other people who I know aren't doing like advanced layering, this is just how they paint purple, and yet they get that. It made me go like, how are you doing that? Like, what do they know that I don't? And it sounds like it's just as simple as me not thinking through the colors I'm mixing for my purples to get there. Um, I, I guess if I were doing what you so so you're saying you use like a flesh tone or a or like an ice yellow kind of thing. Added yeah, to it's purple. a mix up. I mean, the the other easy way is to use. Um, I'm gonna totally butcher this name, but um, Credone violet. Let's go with that. Uh, Py seventeen or P Pv nineteen rather is the uh is the color this is what i'm using on like my hulk pants um this is like a much colder purple than uh something else like a kiana cedrone violet so i mean i i think that's kind of what oh i'm sorry but you're looking for a warm purple i mean i this is also kind of warm. i think it depends on what you're what you're starting styling starting violet is gotcha. uh, but yeah mi mixing in ice yellow really really does help um Okay. Well, I'll, I'll 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 have to keep playing with it, but at the very least, this taught me that if I do want to get kind of a a more magenta, a warmer purple, um, I I at least now can get there. But I'll have to experiment more with that in the future. I mean, yeah, but the the purple still looks good on the Bodoc. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. I think um in had I been more practiced with it or more like had I had he not been an opportunity I was using to experiment with recipes, which is really what he was. He's a recipe experiment kind of all around. Um, I probably would have tried to push things by doing like secondary reflections and try to make it read as like a non-metallic kind of thing. But um, because I was trying to, you know, just get the recipes down, I, I didn't I didn't push myself too hard by trying to throw in like. You know, like the reflections of his mechanical arms and and all that kind of craziness. So I, I could have gone a lot farther on him, but he was already just a ton of work with all the things I was I was experimenting with. So I decided to kind of uh, go easy on myself in in those other respects. So yeah, block and tackle, and then I, I think we say this a lot, but you know, you're you're able to give up a lot of like spaces and still have a good looking model which is what you've done and i, I don't even think you, you didn't give up as many aspects of the model as, as you're kind of 
hinting at. But. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to, because, I, I mean, he is a model I put an insane amount of work into. I don't want people to look at that and think, oh, my God, that's you not trying that hard. No, that's not the case at all. It's just, uh, I. It, so the gold, for instance, I, I had thought originally about, well, he does have these mechanical arms, and if I am doing, like, a non-metallic metal, it would make sense that you would actually see the reflections of, like, the mechanical arms. And I realized that that's something I could do, but then I explicitly made the decision of like, you know what, I'm trying to experiment with a non-metallic metal gold recipe to see if, uh, you know, going more into the yellows works for this. So I'm explicitly going to not do these yeah, other things yeah. that I know I could do. And so I made a lot of those decisions, but that's not to say that this is some, you know, uh, half-cocked paint job. It totally is not. This this is a model I poured work into. I I don't even... I, I must have put 20 hours into this guy at least. So I, I don't want people to think that, you know, I'm I'm saying that this isn't a lot of work because he was. Just oh, I was the, just complimenting you, man. I wasn't coming at you. It's a good looking model. No, 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 no. I, I, I wasn't taking it that way. I just, um, the, the, I guess the message I would want the listeners to get is that uh, you, you don't, just because you recognize you could do something with a paint job, don't feel like you have to. Uh, it, it's about the experience painting and what you're getting out of that. And the experience that I wanted to get out of him was these experiments. Uh, and, and so think about it more in that way. And you'll, you could still end up with a really nice looking model. And, uh, and then on top of that, you, you just grow more as a painter. And so the next time you go to take on those same things that you experimented with, you now have that experience under your belt and, and can, you know, if you really, hit a project where you really want to nail that stuff. The more models you choose to do these little experiments on, just the better prepared you're going to be when you go to do that project you actually care about. Yeah, I think that that's uh, well said. Yeah. But that was me for hobby-wise. That's a lot of lesson learned on, on especially MODOK, but on those two models. Um, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. All right, well, uh, as opposed to last week, we actually have a main topic we're going to go through here. Uh, with, with the thunderous feedback, we heard you. You want to return to form, so we're, we're going to uh, <laughs> return to our series of, of moving through the, uh, the leadership of uh, leadership character boxes in Marvel. And we're going to a little bit more modern. I, this, is this the most recent leadership of a new faction they've released? I, I don't actually know. It might be. I th well, unless you're counting Emma for Hellfire. Oh, okay. Well, not But outside that, of that, but we're, you're probably right. It's, it's certainly a recent one. So we're, we're talking about the uh, Winters, or yeah, Winter, Winter Guard. Guard. There it is. I'm going to say Winter Soldiers. Now, Winter Guard. Uh, and the leadership box there is Crimson Dynamo and the Mighty Dark Star. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, yeah, these these are both models. Well, I I actually really like Dark Star or sorry, Crimson Dynamo. I I, I like these models that are like the bigger, chunkier models in the range. Like uh, like he's got some presence to him, being on the medium sized base. I I really like him. I I kind of like that he's doofy and blocky. He's got these big like early 90s transformer shoulders pads like he's, he's just a he's just a cool model so do you want to you want to start there with sure that? yeah i and i agree um i really liked painting crimson dynamo like way more than i thought i would um his, his model does have kind of a goofy aesthetic to it like he he looks the shoulder pads remind me of like cable and shatterstar like back in the 90s when like everybody had like a billion tactical pockets 
and like those big goofy shoulder pads and it it just he has a fun kind of aesthetic to it and i think the thing i like the most about him is that the all of the different like angular panels and the fact that they're all kind of chipped up and beat up this is a model that really benefits from just playing an exploration exploration like uh you know dry brushing weathering edge highlighting chipping stuff up uh and then glazing over it with colors and then doing more chip and battle damage and then glazing it again like you could do that over and over and over and get like a gorgeous paint job and it's not hard at all it's like the model is painting itself for you uh it's it's such a fun model to paint yeah, I definitely agree, especially on the weathering. I mean, they they have um, you know, some sculpted and weathered details like those scratches you mentioned, but like on mine, you can see I I added in a, a couple of extra ones and it's you know, a, a really easy thing to do. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You just like like you said, it, it's it's not hard and adds a lot of character to the model. You just take a dark line and I suppose you need to do a have a fine like a fine tipped brush with it otherwise it's going to splay out a little bit too much and look bad but you just kind of take a dark line mark it on the model and then go back with a lighter highlight color where you would highlight the bottom of that gash to give it some 3d depth uh, and that, that's all there really is to it um i did that with that you know there's a lot of tutorials out there for bullet hole damage i did that on him as well but kind of just the way the model is reads to me with with the some of the sculpted detail is applying like more damage more use uh of this you know it's frankly a hand-me-down because I, I know the lore because i read the back the back of the boxes but it's, it's a hand-me-down <laughs> too right so the um like i i think they said he was like the third crimson dynamo or something so like you know the suit's been handed down it's not tony stark who makes a new one every every week or whatever like he's this is an old suit handed down and you know the weathering kind of tells that story and adds that character i think um and you could do it with the battle damage or you could do it like what you were saying and, and i i attempted to do where um you kind of do stippling type nmm where you're and so you know pe people's like level one thoughts of nmm is to do very smooth blended transitions that that you know, read like a highly polished metal, but of course, metal in real life doesn't always look that way. So, um, another way to like give some sense of reflectivity uh, is to still like maintain the dark to light, but also to um, use uh, like a stippling effect on on that. So you get like um, a it it still looks smooth from far away, but like when you look at it on closer inspection, it's got like a nice rough transition that kind of implies more wear. Um, and then you can glaze over that to do a little bit more blending, do some more uh, bips on top of it, et cetera, et cetera. It really uh, adds a fair bit to the model and, and tells that, you know, hand-me-down story. Yeah, with him, I, I, I definitely think you would want to steer into the, I, like, I think you would be kind of doing a disservice to the model, to be honest, if you tried to do, like, super smooth. um, it, it, Unless you were, I don't know, filling in all the battle damage and trying to make it look like he's he's got like a polished version of it or something i i feel like the model is giving you so much to work with with texture and dings and things like that and um i this is not a model i would 
be worried about transitions on at all. I would intentionally be, and I, I also think it's appropriate that it being red, uh, red benefits really well from, uh, you know, going up with your highlights and then glazing it back down. And then you end up with like, if you do this multiple times, you'll end up with lots and lots and lots of layers of detail of dings and things like that. And you can, uh, you can use that to really good effect on him. He, he just has so many good surface areas to add like transitions that look more like a raw metal and that look like they've been weathered and have dings on them and stuff like that. It, it's, it, I think it's very fortunate that the combination of the sculpt and the fact that his like canon interpretation is red armor. I think those two things can be used together to create uh, like just a really interesting, really in-depth paint job. Yeah, I, I, exactly. There's, there's a lot working with the model that, Kind of in concert comes together to a, a really nice experience there. Yeah, um, uh, yeah and uh, I, I mean the other, th like I mean talked about the red a little bit. I, I I actually really like the bands of silver that he has too. One, it it, it kind of looks cool. Like it, it calls again back to that, you know, goofy Transformers aesthetic where he's got big bulky armor, that big bulky armor bands all around. Like he's like he's a bad dude. It's, yeah. it's awesome. I love it. Uh, but I, I like being able to do and then and one thing I did on him was I tried a little bit more to incorporate some environmental color. So if you look at a, the the show notes thread in our Discord um, where you can see the pictures of what we painted, but you can imagine I, I painted um I put some snow effects around him to you know because they're the winter guard. Uh, and I did a little bit of the um like a cold, a very cold, icy cold reflection on those lower areas. And I, I think that that is something fun that you can do with uh, with him to imply that that cold. And, you know, like the cold metal is going to contrast well on the 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 red. Um, you have another opportunity for contrast with the you know, smooth metal bands versus the, the weathered metal. So you can have some contrasting elements there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I did the exact same thing in terms of the, the, I, I intentionally went smooth on the metal bands because they, first of all, they don't have the same dings all over them that the rest of his armor does. And so it just read to me as like, Oh, these should be kind of a smoother metal bands. They're probably something that gets replaced regularly as part of their armor or whatever. Um, but then also it, it, you know, it has kind of a colossus feel to it in that sense that it's got this, like, um, you know, I realize it's not actually a skin, but it kind of almost reads like a metallic skin. And so I saw it as a cool opportunity to kind of play around with a more, um, you know, a more smooth, non-metallic steel effect. And and I, I think you're right that it, it allows it to contrast really well with like the dinged up because you're not just getting a contrast in color where you've got red which is obviously a warm color and then you've got steel which tends to be a a colder color so you've got a kind of a, a color contrast going on but also you have a, a contrast of texture where you have you have something that is smooth, and then right next to that you have something that's kind of rough and dinged up, and it, it just creates a nice uh, like like I find whenever I look at the model, my eyes never stay on one spot. I'm always kind of invited by 
the the different textures and the different values to just kind of follow along the model just look at all the different areas of it and i th i think that is one of the reasons why he's so much fun to paint uh, and it's one of the reasons why i like the model so much no yeah yeah that that idea of you know just just the sculpt itself like even if you didn't work in a ton of extra things like just the sculpt itself has that impact of you know enjoyment of viewership like of, of following around the model like like you said i think that that you know, kind of speaks uh to the enjoyment of it in a in a subtle way yeah yeah he's 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 a joy to paint i i think the only thing i uh didn't and, and this one's a little more counterintuitive to me was his helmet he's got a very let's just call it what it is a very darth vadery helmet and uh yeah. it doesn't have the same kind of dinged up quality that the rest of his armor does um and it has like uh some more kind of smooth and curvature to it but it, from a canon perspective it's the same color as his armor and so i i struggled a bit on his helmet and i'm not thrilled with how it came out uh but th that was the only part of the ball for me was kind of awkward to paint interesting it's got it's got like a uh it's got a pothole, but yeah, I suppose the rest of it is is a lot more smooth than the the rest of the model. Right. Yeah. And 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 maybe the answer there is just doing what we just talked about with uh, kind of adding in that texture. Maybe maybe if I spent some more time doing that, I'd I'd have felt better with it. But it's the only part of the model that I I I felt I struggled with. The rest of it was just kind of a flowing joy to paint. Uh, you know, it's funny you say that. I actually struggle with the helmet too because I did not subassemble it. This is this is uh, it, it's pretty hard to actually paint the the mask. I found after the fact uh, once it's glued behind the big shoulder pad. Mm. So uh, the ones I'd recommend subassembling. Yeah, that makes sense actually. And I I painted mine fully assembled and so that that might explain why i had some of the frustrations i did is kind of getting those shoulder pads do make it difficult to get to the the details on the face so yeah that's a fair point fair point yeah and then you know what one thing we wanted to mention was like the opportunity like like one of the reasons i like this model that i, I think we're saying but maybe not saying explicitly is just how different it is from the rest of the range um like the the very sharp angles isn't something you get a lot in you know a predominantly human based range mm. and and those sharp angles gives you the opportunity for the edge highlighting and practicing right, that right right um so that you know that's also something that is enjoyable to focus on um you know there's a couple ways you can do it you can do it the GW style very smooth edge highlight uh you can do um like I, I think I don't. I guess I don't have like a a name for it. I've never called it anything, but like a, a weathered edge highlight where it's kind of broken up by like you're bouncing your brush up and down right. along the edge, which you know adds texture to the edge highlight. Um, you can do that. There's there's a lot of opportunities in that range to, you know, either continue the story or practice edge highlighting to call out those details and so on. Yeah. Yeah. No. For sure. Uh well any, anything else on uh Crimson Dynamite? I suppose we could talk about the basing a little bit. So I thought the the dumb piece of brick he's standing on didn't didn't look very good. I, I don't know why at the time I assembled it I thought it looked a little doofy. 
So I kind of replaced what he was standing on with like a, um, I think it's actually a hatch from a Rhino from a GW kit, but I, I just wanted him to be standing on something else. But, you know, the, the way that the model is posed is you can actually get away with him standing on quite a number of mm, things. Yeah. And it looks relatively natural. You, you might be able to just replace think... the rock with like curb on one of the bases, actually. It's at yeah. that right level. Yeah, it, it's about there. I think I did try that. It's, it's been a while since I painted this. I think his back foot was at a bit of an angle, but but frankly, like I, I don't think that matters all too much. Um, yeah, I mean, I looking at the 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 rock now, I'm a little bit less uh, incensed by it. But at the time, I was very much like, this is this is a dumb rock. I don't I don't like the look of this. Yeah, and it, it gives you opportunity to personalize your models, which is always a a fun thing to yeah do. he's uh, mine's a good example of like i need to up my basing game and and of course i've been trying to do that since but he's a good example of me just kind of defaulting into that like oh, i'm gonna glue this tactical rock down and i'll maybe glue a little bit of basing sand on there to try and cover up the join but it's it's um yeah it's it anytime you can kind of swap something like that out with something that adds a little more character to it uh, you're usually better off. It usually just makes it, it kind of makes it your own and, and makes it stand out from other people's. And um, so I, I totally understand why you, like your yours, I think reads a lot better. Your basing is way more interesting. So I, I think kudos there. Also, uh, part of the, part of the inspiration, because he is the leader. I, I, I don't do this all the time as consistently as I like, but giving the leader of the bunch uh, a, a little bit of height to it mm. also kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe more maybe prominence. No, that up, makes sense. I, yeah, I think it gives it a little bit more that makes prominence. Sense. Um, I mean, he's already like a big, bulky model, but, you know, give him like an extra five millimeters or height of whatever, I think is a nice touch sometimes, especially with a team like this where it's so, like, you know, closed off. It's four members, and it probably will just be the four <laughs> for right, quite right. a while. Um, yeah, fair enough. Well, kudos. I think it, yeah. I, I really like what you did with the base. I think it makes a lot of sense. And it's the the more we continue the podcast, the more I kind of look back at past models and go, ah, man, I really should have done something more on the base. So, um, right. you'll get a bit next time around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When I inevitably do a second version. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the nice thing about swapping out the base, I, I actually realized this recently. Um, I think I talked about it on a podcast, but that piece of his base is the mystery bit of base that I used for my um, I think it was for my spider woman is I was able to use like his bit of brick wall with my spider woman to make it look more of a 90 degree angle instead of like a, a random bit of wall oh, that she's gotcha. standing on so like the more you kind of swap these around is you build out your bits box capabilities um, makes sense yeah fair enough uh, yeah. Anything else on on Crimson Dynamo you want to touch on before we turn to the one you've you've been waiting for personally? I know uh, Dark Star. <laughs> yeah, not not really. I guess the only other thing to really say about him is, uh, you know, to OSL or not to OSL, he does have a few opportunities for that. He's got his little repulsor blast thing, uh, and then his chest star. Uh, and I didn't play around too much with that i tried to do like a very light osl effect but this is before i kind of discovered i think the um using like heavy body acrylic whites as like an undertone so you can kind of bump up the intensity so um i i think 
that and some like glazes of yellow would be a really quick, easy way to get like a really nice, intense kind of chest glow or repulsor glow or whatever. Um, but that's, you know, you you didn't go with that. Yours is just like, hey, it's yellow, but it still looks really good. So it's it's one of the, I guess that's another one of the reasons why I like this model so much is that although it does invite you to do a ton of things, it's it's a well done enough sculpt that even if you don't kind of push yourself that extra, um, you, you still get something that looks really good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't remember why I didn't. It wasn't intentional. I guess it didn't occur to me that that was, you know, similar right, to right. an arc reactor. I thought it was just kind of a painted symbol, but um, I didn't look that deeply enough at it to have that yeah. in mind. Yeah, and, and, and sometimes, like, you know, you see something like that, and you're like, oh, okay, he just has a yellow star in his chest. And, and to be fair, I don't even know if that's supposed to have a glow to it. Just in my head, it, it struck me as like an Iron Man type thing. It probably is. I mean, it. Yeah, it, it is. It is a Russian Iron Man, so I imagine it. It is supposed to glow. Yeah, you might. You might be right on that. But I, either way, that's another thing where you know more choices you could make and other ways to think about it when you're painting it. But um, if you haven't painted him, so I hear he's really good in the game. I actually have yet to get a game in with him. Uh, I hear he's I'd really good. Him. So. If uh, if you're a competitive player, or if you uh, you know just want another model to add to your collection, I highly recommend Crimson Dynamo. He's a blast to paint at the very least, and supposedly he's good in the game. So go to town. I want to. I'll, I'll give my Crimson Dynamo battle report here. Gear up, gamers, because we're giving a gaming update. Um, I played one game with him, and he survived like. 13 power worth of attacks because so his whole thing one of his things is that he can make someone oh, roll their gotcha. attack die right, which is right. particularly potent if they're if they're modifying with like the skulls type ability so he just survives a lot of stuff in addition to a yeah, yeah. shock yeah I've, so that was my experience with them so he i've heard it's his defensive fine. tactic makes him really good so uh so there you go now you have another reason to get him and paint him but i would say Painting him alone makes it worth it. He's he is he is surprisingly fun yeah. to paint. I didn't go into it being super excited about working on him, but as I as I started playing with it, I was like, man, this is this is just fun. Like really cool experience. And and I've heard that from everybody I know who's painted him, by the way. So that, I don't think that's just me and Waxy. I think generally speaking, that's just kind of the vibe people get. Who's else's opinion do you need other than ours? That's fair point. Fair point. I stand corrected. <laughs> Uh, we're the preeminent model somethingers <laughs> of the game. So, uh, all right. Anyway, speaking of fun to paint, yeah, on the dark star. So again, I'm I'm gonna uh, have to have to shame you for not knowing the lore. So we were talking about what we wanted to talk about, and with dark star, uh, like you know, a very prominent part of the model is the magic effect that she has going mm -hmm. on. Um, you know, it's kind of the one thing that sets her apart from you know. A lot of the other models in the catalog and we're talking about oh should you do osl on it and of course the listen i know the listeners are already jumping on this but this is the dark force moriartis i do not believe that the dark force casts light uh perhaps i'm wrong about this and then i'll look foolish but um i think that the dark force is uh does not give off light so you would be incorrect to do osl potentially i i, I did remember doing a lot of uh or a decent amount of research, and it's about like 50-50 if the comic book artist does OSL or not. 
but it goes back to do your research about the characters you know it's it's uh helps inform these these important painting decisions in in fairness to me if i'm just doing like a image search uh i am seeing a lot of like glowy purple I, I, like lightning look i refuse to be refuted by facts here it's, it's <laughs> called it's called the dark force yeah. um, and it, it funny enough like you're giving me crap about this but uh the fact that it was dark star i was like oh i'm just gonna go with like a dark energy that's not giving off a glow because that just sounds right so i did no research either like just like i'd never do but the end result was we both made the same decision where we both kind of went, okay, we're going to do like a kind of a darker purpley thing that's not giving off any kind of light. Uh, so we both ended in the same place, even though we didn't have the same thought process in getting there. Yeah. And, and it, I think it is fine either way you, you do with the um, OSL, not OSL. Uh, I think I think purple dark OSL is kind of tough to give off, which is part mm-hmm. of the reason I didn't do it. In addition to the lore, um, but yeah, it, I'm, I'm giving you grief, but I, I think it's fine either way you do it. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's it's interesting though. Um, w- one of the things I did on mine that I, I don't think worked very well, but one thing I, I'm trying to do on these magicy characters is to extend, it's, especially in her case where they're connected to the base via magic. Um, is, mm-hmm. is I try to like extend out the area of the magic effect on the base so that it looks more. I don't know. It looks less like a integrated. A yeah, well, that because it, it looks decently integrated if you just glue it on. But there's something about these where I just look at it and I say that they were just too lazy to include a flight stand. Like it just looks like a fancy flight stand on it. So I, I try to cover more surface area of the base and the. Most common way that I do that is with um, Vallejo water effects. So I, I may have talked about this before, but like Vallejo water effect, if you apply a couple of layers, you can kind of get some rough strands sticking up out of like, you add some three-dimensional liquidy looking strands that, that actually hold pretty well. Um, so that's one thing to do. I know some other people do uhu glue, although that, that tends to look more like a, like saliva and stuff. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I suppose the whole point of that is the um, Vallejo water effects, I think, is an easier approach to that than doing something like green stuff and trying to get like natural looking, like green stuff, uh, whatever looking waves. I think that is an easier way to do it. So that's what I did on mine. I, I also added some 3D bits from Epic Basing, and, and that's the bit that I don't think worked because I. They have this like crystal box set. I said, "Oh, that'll be interesting. Like maybe she's making some like energy crystals pop up out of the ground." But um, the ones I chose are squares, effectively, and having like very rigid squares next to the rest of her model, which is very like fluid and angular. I I don't think really worked. And like, you know, you could call that contrast, but I don't think it is executed well enough. It just it looks to me like they're just bits from other kits which they mm. are right so it it's not integrated well enough to to kind of make sense in my mind yeah i think what could have sold it is if you had other shapes than just cubes because mm. the thing she's stepping off of is like a ball right yeah and so having like a square in there 
it, what would sell it is if you also had like maybe a triangle and like maybe a I don't know like a a dice type object or something Th things that read like different geometric shapes. I think yeah. something like that could have kind of tied the whole thing together and then you'd be fine. But I understand what you're saying that having all these cubes and then the moment you get to the uh, you know the the official model bits there's nothing else like that and so it doesn't it doesn't quite flow. I understand. What yeah, you're that, that, that's that's an interesting idea. I didn't, I didn't consider that before. I I just think I should have stuck with just doing like wavy energy. But yeah, maybe, maybe that's another approach to like maybe signify that those are I don't know attacky bits coming out of her. That's the scientific term, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, attacky bits. I think that's it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I mean that, that's an interesting idea. But yeah, I mean I, as it stands, I I think it looks fine, not great. It's not something I would be, you know super well it's not something i would be and i'm not super in love with but you know I, I do try to add a little bit more um integration into the base with these uh like magic -y flowing bits yeah no and, and i appreciate that it i mean it's like we were talking about just a minute ago with uh crimson dynamos that you know anything you can do that kind of adds your own little personalization to it and kind of makes it your own and makes it stand out from from other people's is is usually a good idea and so i, I it at the very least it does that right like your your base feels different than everybody else's dark star base so i, I don't think it's a mistake at all um but but you know as far as execution goes yeah yeah you you, you definitely could have probably made some different decisions to just kind of make it look more integrated well, yeah, and I, I certainly could have put in some more effort. I, I think maybe we hinted at this, but I, I don't, I don't really love this model. This is actually my my least favorite from the, um, from the uh, Winter Guard. I, I generally enjoy the other three, but you know, this one there's just not a ton happening with the model. Like it's it's a pretty standard, you know, female model in a jumpsuit. I, the character design is is fine, not great. Um, I just I just didn't really love painting this one, so I certainly out of the four, which I actually put in a a, a lot of effort into the Winter Guard, but this one I I just did mm. not put in the same level of of effort as the other ones, and I I think that that was kind of my enjoyment of the model was related to that. Yeah, I I had a similar experience in that um I did not hugely enjoy painting this model. I think for me the like yellow stripe that she has going down the side of her was a bit of a pain point that that for me was really annoying to uh you know because it's black with a yellow line that you have to like it, yeah and a, and a really yes bright and so line. that that part was a pain um i i do think though in retrospect kind of looking at it um i i do think there are some interesting kind of color choices that you can make with her the, the first advice i would give to anybody that's going to paint this model is just make sure that you whatever recipes you're using for her yellow assuming you're going with a canon interpretation of the paint job uh are is a different recipe than what you're doing for the hair um we've talked in the past about like blonde hair recipes and like kind of starting with like a greenish brown and i think that works really well for blonde so i i were i doing her again i would probably go with that for the blonde um but interestingly when you get to the yellow you run into a cool opportunity to create some kind of color contrast with the purple. Um, so it, were I to do her again, I would do the yellow recipe I did for Spider-Woman, where there's kind of an orange influence, where there's like a lot of orange in the yellow. Um, because I feel like that uh, 
kind of contrasts rather well with the purple of her dark magic or whatever it's called dark force something like that you had yeah dark force yeah. it creates like a nice uh, a nice contrast and I, I so make sure your blonde and your your uh, yellow are a different recipe because uh, uh, otherwise you can, it, it well and I guess you don't have I mean well obviously you don't have to but um I I find that anytime you have characters that have a lot of the same colors on them uh, it you you want to pick ahead of time like okay do I want this to read the same as this like uh, I, we talked about this a bit when we were talking about Psylocke, how she has a lot of areas on her that are purple, and I, I was very conscious of that going into it, that I wanted to make sure they, they all kind of read differently. Unless, of course, they're not supposed to, right? So if uh, I wouldn't recommend making like her gloves and her boots a different yellow, for instance. I, I think that would look really awkward. But blonde hair is probably not going to be the exact same color as the yellow on her suit, right? So definitely make them different. That would be my recommendation there. And then maybe use it as an opportunity to use like color influence in the yellow to make it kind of stand out against the purple. And you can also do something similar with the black. Because uh, black, of course, you're never just painting black. There's always like a color influence there. And usually like an easy one to go with is kind of like a blue um, but in this case, you could you could do purple. You could do I, you could do green. Green would contrast really well with the with the purple. I just to touch on green. I, I went with green because it makes a nice uh, triad with the the yellow and gotcha. the, uh, the purple. Yeah. So you can get like a subtle subtle yeah, and, triad in there. And yours has a really nice contrast because of that. Like all of the like the the black, the yellow, and the purple all. I think work together really well. I it, it, I I really like the color composition on your dark star. So, I, to to your point on that, yeah. Ah, oh, thanks, man. I stole it from the comic hey, if it books. works. But yeah, yeah. No, I think that's all really well said. Yeah, and and you know, the advice on this one is to like maybe zoom out the focus on like there's there's a lot of depth that you can go into for you know models that on the surface are just purple, black, and and black, or sorry, purple, black, and yellow. Like, there, there's some more that you can do. And, and I think, like, thinking about all of those decisions that you can make can really change how a model reads. Um, I mean, also, like, like to even take that further, like, material-wise, like, one thing I like about yours is how latexy and shiny her suit, suit feels, and that contrasts well against, like, I don't know, it doesn't look like felt, but, like, the less, like, rubber-looking... Um, yellow parts i think that that's a nice like nice elements of mm. contrasting there or nice contrasting elements there so you can think about material you can think about color you can think about all these things on models that would be even relatively simple i mean you could do lighting too like we're joking about the osl but there is a real opportunity to you know kind of do closer to what you see in some comic books where there, there's light being cast off of the things and and where would those reflect? There's a, there's a lot that you could do with this model. Yeah, you know, for sure. I I would actually love to see uh, you know somebody who's a better painter than me um, tackle this more ambitiously, where they they do the you know some somebody like a Jonathan Ho who who would go in and do like object source lighting and stuff like that. I think um, you could actually get a pretty impressive paint job out of this. I just I wasn't invested enough in the character, and then similarly, I had frustrations with just. Uh, painting her i did like 
all of the joy I had painting Crimson Dynamo, I did not have that experience on Dark Star. So um, I, I just uh, didn't want to put that kind of work in. But plus, also, I legitimately thought, well, well, Dark Star and OSL just didn't feel right in that case. But, you know, we've been over that. Now you weren't too far off. Yeah. Uh. All right, well, anything you want to say about either of these before we wrap up? Uh, no, no, I think we've pretty pretty well got that covered, in terms of my input, anyway. Yeah, I, I got nothing to add. Um, so we'll go ahead and wrap it up, then. Uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast and want to know what the heck we're talking about picture-wise, um, we have a Discord that is free. The link will be in the show notes. Um, and there we have a gallery for each of our episodes where we you know post the pictures we've talked about and kind of are referencing throughout so you can go there um there's of course channels to talk about painting post your in progress pictures you can either just show off what you've been working on or look for more focused cnc if, if you're looking for help on a specific aspect of the model there's some channels in there for you there um if you want to follow me on Instagram, I am waxy underscore sandwich. And I am Artist 7 Yeah, and uh, you, know, you mentioned a couple times, but you have a, a blog where you post some further insights as you go. Yeah, uh, moriartistminis.wordpress.com. Um, uh, pretty much any of the stuff we talk about here on models, uh, you'll see some of that same stuff there. Um, but you'll, you know, I'll go more in depth on it and stuff like that. Uh, all right. Well, uh, with that, we will call it then, and we will talk to you next time. Keep painting, guys.